You're listening to Deep Dives with Sharks, a shark podcast focused on shark species, shark safety both for you and the sharks, and news from the past couple weeks. Sit back, relax, it's time to take a dive. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Deep Dives with Sharks. I am still the host here. My name once again is Alex. I'm going to try to stop making jokes about how I haven't kicked myself out yet. I probably still won't. I'll probably do it again. But, uh, sorry for being late once again. I was supposed to record this on Tuesday, and I was going to do it yesterday. But I am currently in the process of switching jobs. So my coworkers wanted to go out for some drinks yesterday and ended up losing track of time. But uh, here I am, a day later. Uh, but I don't actually have a lot of fluff or filler to throw in for the intro this time. Uh, I usually have something to either joke about or talk about or anything like that, but... This time, I actually, is kind of going to jump into it. But real quick before I do, uh, go follow the Instagram at Deep Dives with Sharks. Tell a friend about the podcast. Uh, I also have to figure out what I'm going to call all the listeners. So uh, suggestions will be accepted and polls will be random. We will figure it out. But without any further ado, for this week, we are going to be talking about the bull shark. Now, this is one I just kind of thought I'd do. I actually didn't get a suggestion for this one. I was been trying to figure out... I want to do more more obscure sharks, but I'm kind of running a little test on my own here. So we're going to do the bull shark real quick, and they are fairly common sharks. A lot of people do know about these, or at least have heard about these in the past. But they're going to be very commonly found around the world. Found around the coast of the United States, the Caribbean, Gulf of Mexico, northern parts of South America, eastern parts of Africa, and then around Australia, New Zealand, and also in the Amazon River. Uh, they grow to be between 7 to 11 and a half feet in length, or about 2 and a quarter to 3 and a half meters long. And bull sharks typically weigh about 130 kilograms or 290 pounds. But larger specimens have been reaching up to 450 kilograms or about 990 pounds, which is pretty massive, especially for a bull shark. And that range goes all across, so it could be anywhere in there. They go by a couple names, including the bull shark, or a Zambezi shark in certain African countries. And the very interesting thing about the bull shark, they have the ability to go from saltwater to freshwater, uh, but they usually do have to return to saltwater for a couple of reasons. Uh, but bull sharks have been found in the Amazon River, as mentioned earlier, as well as the Mississippi River and Delaware River, just to name a few. Now, one bull shark was also found in Illinois, which, for those of you that know the geography of the United States is very far north. Uh, so it was actually about 111 kilometers, 111, what am I talking about? 1100, sorry, 1100 to be exact. I don't know how I just messed my numbers up like that, but 1100 kilometers from the ocean or about 700 miles away, which is insane. But they do have specialized organs that help to regulate the salinity of their blood. Uh, typically, the salinity levels are going to be equivalent to the water around them, but when you're a saltwater animal, you usually need to have salt water near you, uh, clearly to get salt inside your body. The bull shark, though, just don't care. Uh, it said, screw all that, and instead, I'm going to have different organs that are going to make sure I don't have to have salt water all around me. Uh, and those organs are going to be the liver, kidneys, gills, and their rectal glands, which just was kind of funny to hear. But... In this, they all do different things. So typically when you go from a salt to a fresh water, more water goes over your gills. Uh, 
I like how I say this as if I'm talking to a shark. <laughs> so <laughs> when a shark goes from salt water to fresh water, usually it's going to have more water that goes over its gills. This is going to make sure that it kind of uh, dilutes all the salt that's in its body, which then causes it to not be able to survive. Same way that if a human's salinity levels get too high, if a shark's salinity levels get too low, it's equally as bad. But what will happen is their gills will first filter out, or I guess stop all that filtering from that water going across. So they can still breathe in that water, of course, and be fine, but their salt levels aren't going to drop rapidly. They also then have their rectal glands, which is, once again, funny that this plays a part, but it helps to make sure they don't secrete as much salt as they would previously. Also make sure that they're not going to be sitting there and just losing salt constantly, especially when they're going to need that to survive. Same thing goes for the liver and kidneys. It's going to help to not dilute as much salt in their body as well, making sure that it doesn't use that somewhere else or put the energy that they use or I guess digest, process too much salt. I'm trying to think of the right word here. It's 12.48 in the morning, dear God. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, with this, a bull shark could actually live its entire life in fresh water, uh, but their prey and reproductive habits both reside in saltwater environments, making it difficult for a bull shark to be outside of saltwater for more than four years. A few had uh, gotten to the four-year mark and then had died shortly after so right about there is usually the mark where a bull shark will have to go back uh, before either they don't reproduce or their food source just isn't as high as it needs to be now these sharks are also described as being stout and large but some descriptions also describe them as being thick so it's up to you how many c's you'd like to put at the end of that i'm conservatively going to go with only two c's but the shark appears to have a smaller head compared to other sharks, and that also is partially because of the placement of their dorsal fin, which compared to other sharks seems to be a little set more towards the middle of their back rather than up uh, about above like the midway point. Now this also makes it so that way their second dorsal fin is much smaller and much placed further back, so kind of makes them look a little bit odd compared to other sharks. Now the reason why they get called a bull shark is because they typically get that wide body, which is why they're described as stout or thick in that sense, because they are a wider shark. But this one also is going to eat a lot of different types of prey, including bony fish, uh, other small sharks, including bull sharks themselves, also birds, dolphins, and some mammal, mam mammals, including antelope, cattle, tree sloths, dogs, and rats, as well as turtles and the occasional whopper or Big Mac if it is a cheat day. The last two are absolutely made up, but everything else, very much on par, which is kind of insane. Now, I did know that I've heard about different sharks that eat, like, moose and anything like that, especially up in Canada. Uh, moose are known to go into the waters, and if there's a shark in the area, they will eat a moose, so... Kind of crazy in that regard, too. I believe there's another shark I'm going to talk a little bit about later. I believe there are another uh, species of shark that's eaten moose in the past. But it's kind of crazy, the fact that bull sharks have eaten dogs. But I assume if there's any sharks in the water, or any animals in the water, they'll, they'll eat them. So birds are included, too. But they typically hunt uh, solidar uh, solitarily, uh, although there are times when they have paired up to hunt trickier prey, such as dolphin, uh, especially the more intelligent types of prey that there are out there. They'll tend to usually try to team up to make sure that there is less of a chance that it will get away easier 
kind of the same way that uh, humans can do this uh, in like hunting for deer or anything like that. They'll like usually not all post up on the same tree. Um, now, also, I say that not really knowing too much about hunting, but that works. I, I fish before. I don't really hunt. Um, I've actually never hunted, to be fair. But they're also opportunistic hunters. Uh, they'll strike quickly, and when food is scarce, they will slow down their digestive system so that way they won't lose energy that easily. Uh, so that way they won't be just starving themselves to death. They also are going to save that energy by moving along with the tide. So they literally go with the flow. Uh, they're going to move with the movement of the water, so following tides in and back out, uh, any way like that. So that way they're going to move in and not have to fight against the current that may be usually pushing against them, especially when you're a wider shark. Use that to your advantage. Like, once again, I keep saying you as if I'm talking to a shark. If you are a shark listening to the podcast, hi, I'm a huge fan. But in case you're not, especially when this wider shark has to fight against the current, it's going to create a lot of resistance. So same way that if you're a kite and flying through the wind, uh, you hit the wide part, goes up in the air. But if you hit the narrow part, doesn't. So we're going to try to make sure that they go along with the flow. But they're also recently, uh, usually referred to as an aggressive species, as they seem to have a hair trigger when it comes to bites, and they also are believed to be blamed for many bites when it comes to interactions with humans, along with tiger sharks and great whites. This also is due to their smaller size and their ability to get into many bodies of water. Uh, being able to switch from fresh to salt water, uh, they can be pretty much almost anywhere, uh, in salt water to fresh water as well. Uh, for those of us that are in the Maryland area, bull sharks are constantly found in the Chesapeake Bay, and the estuaries around there as well. So, of course, if you're in the Severn River, anything like that, just be mindful, be careful. Um, just know that there could be a bull shark there. Most likely there's not going to be, but they could be nearby. Now, they also were thought to be the uh, responsible for the Jersey Shore attacks of 1916, which has been covered by a wide variety of sources, including probably one of my favorite dollop episodes, which if you guys don't know the dollop, go give them a listen, uh, which is episode 210 to be exact. Uh, and also, that was where we had uh, five different bites occur uh, that were said to be done by bull sharks. Now, at the time, was blamed on great white sharks, and they were held all across the uh, New Jersey shores, uh, as well as parts of New York uh, and even Pennsylvania. So they kind of went all along there. Um, some were in more of uh, creeks than they were out on the beach. So it was a really wide variety. I definitely recommend looking more into that. Um, I think if you want to have a little laugh too, uh, the dollop episode is a phenomenal place to go for that because I feel like they did a great job of covering the source as well as providing a good bit of humor to it. But it also is the event that did inspire the novel Jaws, which then inspired the movie Jaws, which then inspired a whole lot of shark panic. So many sharks were, were killed that summer. Um, but with this, <clears throat> they were going to initially be blamed on a great white, uh, but scientists weren't exactly sure what type of species it was. And the only remaining photos are all very blurry and grainy because it was from 1916, so it's very hard to identify. But they do believe it was a nine-foot shark that was black. Um, and just in that description alone, kind of rules out it being a great white, as they're going to be a lot bigger. 
but it could be a juvenile great white and also the ability to go into creeks and everything like that because I believe they said one victim got bit in about 18 inches of water. So that is definitely the mark of a bull shark and scientists in 2002 were the ones that brought this up. So about 90 years later, scientists just decided to throw bull sharks under the bus like a bunch of jerks. But with this... Uh, it's pretty much going to be a really neat one to look at. Uh, I, I mean, I think the whole event kind of sounds like a bunch of bull, if you ask me. Um, that's a terrible joke. I should probably edit that out. Didn't keep it. But, yeah. Uh, so it's pretty interesting. Bull sharks are probably really cool. One of the few sharks that I actually haven't seen in real life outside of, like, Shark Week or anything like that. But uh, I also didn't see them in captivity really at all, but I'm not entirely positive if they are or not. So that's really all I have for the bull shark. Um, of course, if you guys have any questions or anything like that, any recommendations, any comments, concerns, uh, feel free to send it over to the Instagram at Deep Dives with Sharks. I am more than happy to hear it and send it out that way. But we will go on to the next segment. So I did take a short break there because I did want to check and see if there were actually any bull sharks in captivity as my ADHD kicked in and my brain was just immediately hyper-focused on that. Uh, and the previous comment I made about 10 seconds ago for you guys is that I don't think there's any in captivity and that is completely wrong. There's actually a whole lot in captivity. I believe it was the Oklahoma Aquarium as well as a few in Australia, uh, Japan, and then the Aquarium of the Pacific apparently had them in the past as well. So evidently the bull shark is a shark that you can find in a lot of aquariums. Now, none of the ones that I've been to, so need to put some of those on my bucket list as I will get out there and hopefully if my girlfriend's listening, can we go to an aquarium that has bull sharks in it? Okay, thanks, love you. Uh, but anyway, going on to the shark safety portion of the podcast once again. This week we're going a little bit different as well. Now this one did once again come from uh, Michaela. Phenomenal uh, suggestions and questions that she's been throwing at the podcast, which once again, quick shameless pug, uh, deep dives with sharks, best way to do that. I'll probably reply to that. Much better than if you're just screaming at your car doesn't really help but the question that she had or the uh, suggestion she had is talking about animals that are frequently confused with sharks or kind of vice versa uh, sharks that are confused for other animals and there are quite a few that go back and forth uh, so on this there are many types of animals that either evolutionary descendants of sharks or may just look very similar to that species but aren't now one of the big cases of this is the instance of sharks and rays they are evolutionarily very close to each other, and their evolutionary middle, that's a very hard word for me to say right now, is going to be the guitarfish, which is available to be seen at the Georgia Aquarium. Uh, also, uh, Epcot uh, in Disney World has guitarfish, so lots of aquariums have guitarfish, and they're really cool because they quite literally look like a ray shark. Uh, it looks like a, you took a ray body and then put a shark tail on it. It's so cool. That is not technically a shark. It's actually a ray. Um, same thing with the sawfish. Many people have seen sawfish. They're those... Uh, I almost said sharks. They're rays. But they're those. Uh, they're usually kept with the sharks as well. They're the ones that have the very long nose with all the teeth that go off on the side. That's a sawfish there. Now, with this, the, a lot of people do think that those are sharks. They're actually rays. They're kept in with sharks, though, simply because they are going to require usually very similar levels of care. Uh, and everything like that, so that way it's not going to be too different from other sharks there. 
but I mean, a great example of this, I'm pretty sure many aquariums do, but the one that I've been to that has sawfish in with their other sharks is the uh, National Aquarium in Baltimore. They have their sawfish in with sandbar sharks, sand tiger sharks, their nurse sharks, like they have them in there uh, with them. So it's going to be in Shark Alley, as they call it. Uh, and it's one of my favorite parts of the aquarium, honestly, seeing them and seeing them swim around too is really awesome. But another one that is very frequently uh, mixed up with sharks. And with this, it should be treated equally as hesitant with them too. You don't just want to go up and be like, oh, it's a ray, I'll be fine. Because they can still in impale you and mess you up something good. So I definitely wouldn't recommend like messing with them. But another one that definitely comes in that people tend to panic and think that they're going to be a shark uh, rather than the animal that they are is when you're out at the beach and dolphins show up. Now, really easy way to identify dolphins versus sharks. Now, I, there's been so many times, just a little sidebar here, but there's been, I think, every single time I've been to the beach, uh, Ocean City, Virginia Beach, anywhere like that, um, I think even down like in the Galapagos, uh, when I was there, I saw dolphins down there too, and every single time... It did not matter how many like dolphins you saw pop up. There was always some family nearby that was losing their mind, screaming about there's a shark, this, that, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Now they're elbowing grandma to get out the water and it's making her be the sacrifice for the ferocious beast. Meanwhile, everyone else is just standing there looking at them like, what in the world is wrong with you? So it's one of those things that typically doesn't happen, but for people that don't know... It can be a really, really scary situation because you are at that moment are thinking it's going to be life or death. But in reality, it's a dolphin that's eating a school of fish nearby. And usually they're in a pod, so there's a bunch, which is reason number one why you can easily tell a dolphin versus a shark. Most sharks are going to be solitary. There's not too, too many that are going to school up, or if they do, there's going to be a lot of them, and you're going to see them coming for a little while. But the dolphins usually are going to come up, you're going to see their dorsal fin break the water, and it's just going to go right back down. You're not going to see the second one come up. You might see them even jump out of the water. They're very acrobatic animals, especially when it comes to trying to uh, stir up a school of fish. So anywhere like that, they tend to be very acrobatic in that way. So it should be very easy to see, very easy to identify, and especially when it comes to the way the anatomy of a dolphin and a shark are, Mostly the way you can tell is how many fins you see when they do breach. Now, if a shark is close enough to the surface to have a fin breach, it's going to have a second one. That simply is because of, once again, its anatomy. Dolphins' flukes, which are their tail fins, are going to be sideways. So they're going to be more left to right of the dolphin rather than top-bottom like a shark would. So when they come up to the surface to get a breath of air, you only see that first dorsal fin. But when a shark's up at the surface, it's usually not there for air. And it's going to have both of its tail fin and its dorsal fin hanging out of the water. That or you'll be able to see its head if it's more diagonal. So you'll be able to identify, oh, that's not a dolphin because that thing has sharp teeth and looks like it's eating something. So usually you can tell a dolphin from a shark very easily that way. But with this as well, you also get uh, the little fish at Petco and PetSmart uh, that are called sharks. They're actually not sharks. Um, they're I forget what they actually are, but they're not sharks. You couldn't actually buy a shark like that. And that also leads me to another point. Uh, don't buy a shark as a pet. It's not a good idea. I don't think that many people will be able to provide the proper care required for that shark. And that is just a bad deal. So I say it's a bad idea to own a shark. Anyway, but going in the opposite thought, 
there are many sharks that are going to be thought to be whales or dolphins or be completely harmless, and they're very much not. Um, now, I did do a whole section on the whale shark, which is one of the ones I'll be talking about a little bit here, where I was talking about how they're essentially harmless. They can't really hurt humans, but even they can hurt humans in a way. So they can unintentionally hit them with their tail. They can go to dive down back into the depths and then pull someone down with them. So there's a lot of ways that that can happen too. But even back in July when I had come back from snorkeling with whale sharks, my coworker immediately asked when I was showing him the video, well, how long can they stay down there? And I was like, For forever? Like, what do you mean? And he was like, well, no, like, don't they need air? And I was absolutely confused and he was like I thought that it was a, a whale that just had like aggressive behaviors like a shark and I'm like have you not been paying attention to any of the shark facts I put on the whiteboard like are you joking but it's one of those things that people don't realize a whale shark is fully a shark uh, it only gets this name whale because of the size of it and also the food that it eats very similar to what a whale would but at the same time it is still a shark and it can still do some harm although unintentionally but two other ones that get very confused for other animals other than a shark are both going to be the Pacific Sleeper Shark as well as the Greenland Shark. Both of these are slow-moving uh, sharks. They also look very round, uh, so they usually don't have all like the more sleek, more like angular, uh, I guess is the best word for it, uh, kind of like curves to a shark would. And instead kind of have more of that rounder body type that a whale would have, so it makes it a little bit different there. But on this, it's going to have a lot of different uh, things that come up in that, and people would not usually approach those sharks either. I mean, whale sharks are the ones that people usually interact with the most, but when it comes to Pacific sleeper sharks or Greenland sharks, they're very deep in the water, and also in very cold water too, so people aren't typically interacting with them too much. I believe Pacific sleepers are also the ones that eat moose uh, that I was mentioning earlier, but it's really one of those things that they don't really interact with too much, but when people do come across them when they're on, like, cruises or anything like that, they tend to not really, I guess, respect them as much as they would, like, a great white, or, I mean, they don't have that fear, I guess, is the other thing, too. And that's a good thing, though, because the whole point of the podcast is to not fear sharks. We are not trying to sit here and get you to be terrified of a shark. It's more of understanding how you can interact with a shark in a safe way, and also more that you can learn about them. Now, another thing to point out is that uh, a lot of times people always talk about how great dolphins are versus how terrifying sharks are. But sharks only bite like a handful of people a year. And then dolphins, I think, push people that are drowning both back to shore and then also away from shore equal amounts that a shark bites someone. But every year we talk about how dolphins are heroes. So I think that's just some food for thought. But speaking of food, too... You're also more likely to get hurt and or killed by a vending machine than you are to be bit by a shark. And that, of course, I don't mean that vending machines are going to come hunt you down, because if that ever happens, I don't know what in the world has gone wrong for this to occur. But with that, whenever your food gets stuck, people usually try to shove it and push it, and they're frustrated, and they're taking all their anger out on the vending machine. Then they tip it too far, and then the thing falls on them. So all I'm saying is next time your Doritos get stuck maybe don't smack it so hard, you know, just give it a little shake and then call someone, that works a lot better, or cut your losses, it's usually a dollar, but with inflation it might be up to three, we'll find out, but one of those things that definitely people usually don't realize, that you, there's so many, like a cow's more likely to kill you than a shark, so there's so many different things that are more likely to hurt you than a shark is, 
but we don't fear cows. We don't fear vending machines. I mean, I fear horses, but that's different. So it's, it's just a whole different thing there. But that's what I had for the safety portion of the podcast this week. Once again, if you have any suggestions, recommendations, send them my way. I'm more than happy to answer them. But the shark news. These I went a little bit uh, light on this week because as I was wrapping up, I realized it was hitting closer and closer to 1 in the morning, and I have to go to work tomorrow too. Uh, But uh, these ones are going to be kind of brief, so I can make up for it next week, but also a lot of the stories I've already covered earlier this week uh, because it kept popping up with the tiger shark and the scientist and then also the great white breaching out of the ocean during the surfing contest. So those two were just dominating the news. I had to actually comb for these ones a little bit. Um, But the first one doesn't actually have a whole lot of information to it. It was just that a shark bite was reported at Cape San Blas. I think that's how you say it. That was reported by MyPanhandle.com, so it was down in Florida. It was a very brief story that someone was in the water and they got bitten. Uh, And a few things I liked about reporting from the story, not the story itself, because of course I'm never happy when someone gets bit by a shark. But the reporting itself I think was very unbiased. I think it was very just matter of fact. Uh, They didn't call the shark a monster or anything like that. They didn't say that it was an attack, but they pretty much came in and just said that it was a bite uh, rather than an attack. Uh, Didn't really create any fear. Didn't give a whole lot of gruesome detail. That's another issue too. A lot of times uh, reporters realize that if they put a bunch of gory, gruesome detail in there, uh, talking about how there was this much blood loss and this, that, whatever, that it's going to be getting a lot more clicks. But the thing is, Usually the shark just kind of bitch you and let you go. So there's going to be blood because you're going to bleed. But, I mean, nine times out of ten, like, I think a lot of shark bite survivors don't end up having to lose a limb or anything. They just kind of have a sick-looking scar. So, I mean, that's really what happens. I mean, I'm not going to say that a shark bite's a walk in the park. But, I mean, I'm also not going to say that every single shark bite results in limb loss. But from here... They then just gave the uh, information that they could. So they were saying that the individual was bit, taken to the hospital, and was in stable condition. They weren't able to give a lot more information due to HIPAA violations or HIPAA laws. But then they also just said that they would advise using caution when entering the water. Because, I mean, the shark most likely isn't going to be there. Or if it is, just make sure you're on your toes. Like, keep an eye out. Same wing that I've said here. Keep your head on a swivel. You don't want to make sure that a shark's not going to sneak up behind you or anything like that. And you should notice if one's coming up, but in case you don't, don't worry, happens to a lot of people, you're not going to be alone. But the next one that we have is that a juvenile great white washed up dead in San Diego, and that one was by KTLA75, and this was just an eight-foot great white that had washed up right around Terry Pine State National Reserve, and it had been noted that it was injured very badly, especially in the mouth and head region, uh, because there was a hook that had torn different parts of its mouth, and also had a lead line that was used for larger fish, uh, which caused it to injure the shark. Now, as I mentioned much earlier, I forget which episode it was, there were new laws in California that made sure that uh, shark fishing, either voluntarily or involuntarily, uh, so accidental or not, uh, is still illegal, very punishable by fines. So they were trying to figure out who had set this up, but because it had broken off, it'd be very hard to identify who's the person that set this up. And with this, they also noted that things like this are probably going to happen more frequently as the laws get put more into effect. And also because more sharks uh, that were tagged, more great whites in the area, had been showing up. Uh, So the population is on the rise once again, which is fantastic news. 
But of course, downside of that is that when you have a larger population size, you also have more of a shot for them to be caught or accidentally uh, injured and or killed in ways that they weren't supposed to. So definitely trying to figure things out like that as well. And working through all those bumps at this time is going to be probably the navigation that goes on for a while. But that is what I have for this week. I do appreciate everyone listening and being here, and I'm absolutely amazed at how much the podcast has still grown, so I thank you all for that. Of course, if you have any questions or anything, send them over to Deep Dives with Sharks on Instagram. I'm very happy to reply there. I usually try to reply pretty quickly. Of course, I am going to school and also working a job while doing this too, so if I'm a little bit slow to that, I'm very sorry, but I appreciate you all bearing with me. I'm also still trying to put out at least a... a episode a week. So I'm aiming for Tuesdays usually because I usually work the weekends and then Monday I'm dead. But Tuesdays usually after I finish my schoolwork when I'm going to try to do this. But it's very shaky as you guys can see with this week. So I'm going to try to stay on that. But I do appreciate you bearing with me once again. Also make sure to tell anyone you can about it. Friends, family, your grandma, whoever you'd like to. Tell them about the podcast. Sorry that I inadvertently had your grandma get elbowed by a family trying to escape a dolphin earlier. But hope she's doing all right. But of course, I thank you all for listening here. Uh, I think this is actually the latest episode I've ever recorded because we're finishing up at 1.13 in the morning. So eventually I'll change that. But thank you all so much for being here, and I will see you in the next one.